If you're visiting with us this morning, kia ora, a warm welcome. My name's Sam, I'm the pastor here, and uh, it's just great to have you with us. Uh, we're working through a series called The Missional Life, and uh, this is week two. We're working through the different themes. This week we're talking, this morning we're talking about the message uh, that we carry. And uh, so that's the next slide, Ian. <laughs> uh, the message that we carry. And so uh, we've spent, if, you, if you're with us, um, we have spent uh, the, most of term two working our way through the book of Galatians, which is an amazing reminder, again, of the gospel message that, uh, that uh, we are just so passionate about. And, uh, and we continue just to explore the beautiful reality of what is the gospel. Uh, one of my friends leads a church in uh, Tauranga, uh, amazing guy, uh, uh, very intelligent. Uh, he's actually a doctor now. He's uh, done his PhD in theology. Uh, wonderful church called St. Luke's in Tauranga. And I go there most years to speak. And at the back of the church, they have written in these giant big letters, the good news of the gospel is always better than you've just realized. <laughs> that is awesome. The good news of the gospel is always better than you've just realized. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to sharing this morning because uh, I've, I've, uh, I'm turning 40 this, uh, this month. So uh, on, the, on the 14th of August uh, is my birthday, but, uh, and normally, you know, you just have your birthday, but I'm like, you know, Christians, I think, should celebrate well on big things. So the festival month has begun. It's August the 1st, festi- right, Jen? It's festival month. Now, when I turn 41, it'll be a festival day, back to that, but it's a festival month. And, and I'm like, man, it's been 40 years on planet Earth, but guess what? It's been 40 years in the church because my dad's an Anglican vicar. So I've just grown up in the whole thing. And, uh, you know, <laughs> pastor's kids go one of two ways. Uh, and uh, I've chosen a certain path. And so I'm pretty fired up about Jesus still, thank goodness, uh, as is uh, my family. And, uh, and that's a credit to them in terms of the, what they modeled in their faith and all the rest of it. Um, but I'm standing here before you after 40 years in the church, and, and, and most of them following Jesus saying, this is true. It gets better. It just gets better. The more you sink into what the gospel is all about, it just gets better and better. And I love that. And it's like you realize how beautiful this thing is. And, and I love that line. And it's better than you've just realized. It's so cool. Listen to, to Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 here, where he talks about the gospel. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of, us who, uh, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order in that the, the, the coming ages, he might, sh- might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift 
gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I mean, that's just decadent language, right? It's just beautiful. It's stunning. The, the, the gospel is always better than you've just realized. We need to sink in passages like this because it outlines the gospel beautifully. In the first three verses, it tells us why we are in need of saving. We're spiritually dead. Spir- uh, verses five and six tell us what the saving was. God made us alive. But, what, but what's incredible is in verse five. Verse five and six are the solution. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, I'm getting confused here. Verse one and three are the problem. Verse five and six are the solution. Verse four is the reason God actually went about fixing the problem rather than leaving us where we were. And what is that reason? He's rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. Like the reason, like God's motivation was that he is a God rich in mercy. Dane C. uh, C. Ortland wrote this in the book Gentle and Lowly, which I've been reading. It's been an amazing book. Listen to this. Let this sink in, friends. Soften your hearts. Listen to the Lord here. This is so good. Whether we have been sinned against or have sinned ourselves into misery, that's a good line. (laughs) I've been there. I've sinned myself into misery. The Bible says God is not tight-fisted with mercy, but open-handed, not frugal, but lavish, not poor, but rich. That God is rich in mercy means that the the regions of deeper shame and regret are not hotels through which divine mercy passes, but homes in which divine mercy abides. (laughs) It means that the things that make you cringe about yourself the most make him hug the hardest. It means his mercy is not calculating and cautious like ours. It is unrestrained, flood-like, sweeping, magnanimous. She's dang, calm down. It means our haunting shame is not a problem for him, but the very thing he loves most to work with. It means our sins do not cause his love to take a hit. It's our sins that cause his love to surge forward all the more. It means on the day that we stand before him quietly, unhurriedly, we will weep with relief, shocked at how impoverished a view of his mercy-rich heart we had. Woo, that's good. How good's that? The good news of the gospel is always better than you've just realized. It keeps getting better and better. But here's what I want to talk about this morning. I think like this whole missional life thing, is to remind us as a church that we carry this message and it's to restore a fire in our bones to share that message in a hostile world, just like the early church environment that they lived in. It's to like restore that confidence. And here's what I want to do this morning, God willing, is is restore a bit of a confidence because what happens, I think, is we've got so intimidated by the word gospel and so fearful about getting it wrong that most of us don't share squat. But I want to say the gospel actually is very, very simple, uh, but, it, but beautifully complex all at the same time. Uh, Bruxy Cavey says this, it's a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. Could also describe the good news of Jesus. There's a simplicity to the gospel so that even and especially a child can comprehend it. There is also a depth and infinite richness to the gospel, which means that we can spend the rest of our lives learning, discussing, and applying its truths. That's so true. Paradoxically, it's beautifully simple and incredibly complex, and that's the beauty of the gospel. And and so uh, I must admit, I get frustrated with gospel police. People that are like, 
you know, they think that somehow they have the right to judge what is gospel and what's not. Now, do I believe there are false gospels out there? 100%, right? But we've just spent six weeks in blinking Galatians. What's the number one false gospel that Paul's hitting? It's that you have to work to earn God's love, favor, and forgiveness. That you have to somehow be good enough for him to accept you. The scandalous truth of the gospel is that you simply come and he embraces us. And all of our flaws and all of our mess, we do nothing. We receive a gift of grace. That is it. So uh, as long as we're not deviating from that, of course the gospel's nuanced and like a diamond with a million and one different angles. And so chill out about whether it's the gospel or not, as long as you're not preaching salvation by works, you're doing really well according to the scriptures. Amen. Freedom in Jesus' name. In fact, next slide. The thing that's interesting is that when we talk about the gospel, we've had a reductionist view about what the gospel is into a couple of verses when actually it's the gospel of Matthew. The whole thing's the gospel. It's the gospel of Mark. The whole thing is called the gospel. The whole story of Jesus is the gospel. Hallelujah. And so even within the gospels, you've got different focuses, different emphasis. It's a beautiful diamond that has so many different angles. It's stunning. Uh, So in in this next slide, absolutely stunning book that I want everyone to read on top of the other 50 I've recommended in the last three weeks. Uh, (laughs) I'd love you to read this. If If you know that the fire of the gospel has dwindled dwindled in your own heart, this is a good book to get you going again. If you've felt overwhelmed about what the gospel is, this is a good book to get you going again. If you've lost confidence in what it's all about, this and if you don't know Jesus and you want to find out what it's all about, this is a fantastic book. And, and what he does is he, uh, it's such a brilliant book. He basically says, here's the gospel in one word, Here's the gospel in three words, and here's the gospel in 30 words. So this is what he says, and and you may disagree or whatever. I like what he says, and I'm the pastor, hallelujah. All right, so here's, you want to know the gospel in one word? Here we go. It's this, Jesus. That's the gospel in one word. It's Jesus. Listen to what he says, Bruxy in his book. Jesus was God's messenger, and yet he was more than that. Jesus was both God's messenger and God's message. Christ's closest followers were convinced that he not only proclaimed the word of God, but he was the word of God. According to Jesus and his first followers, the messenger and the message are one. Jesus is the word of God come to us in the flesh, John 1 uh, verse 1 and 14. The medium is truly the message. Like, Friends, this is the gospel. And, and, and my dream as we take this missional life course is that God would restore a fresh confidence and empower us by his spirit to be his agents and ambassadors and witnesses in the world today. And that somehow opportunities to share the gospel will come up over the next little while. But if you don't know what to talk about, start here. Jesus, we start with Jesus. Get frothed on Jesus and you will be a witness for him. This is why I have banged on and on and on about your devotional lives because Sundays are not enough. Most of us have the devotional life equivalent of running through a shower and we think that's enough when we're swimming in a sewer. And it's like, you know what? At every day, sitting with him and you will get more and more frothed on Jesus. It'll just start spilling out. And be be set free and relieved this morning that I'm not gonna tell you what some little dynamic little four things you've got to say to people and this is what you've got to share with your friends because it's like, who's, I've tried it 
and, I've, and it's like, it just feels so heavy and so lame and like it comes out my mouth and falls to the ground because my heart's not burning with love for Jesus. I'm just trying to follow some little routine or some little riff or something. When actually, when you spend time with Jesus every day, you fall more in love with him and you can't help but sharing how wonderful Jesus is. I wish I was a black preacher. Right? Can I just say that? Oh, man, I wish I was a black preacher. I'm, I'm so envious of our Māori friends here. And Andre gets up. There's this way of communicating. You can feel it in me, right? There's a, I'm a little reverse blinker marshmallow, uh, um, a mallow puff. I'm a reverse. I want, I'm black on the inside. I'm white on the outside. I want to, I want to hanky. I want to preach. Right? Because, because I used to listen to these sort of preachers. And thank you. Come on, church. Take, take me deeper. <laughs> or every now and then, Lord, help him. <laughs> There's this guy, S.M. Lockridge, and, his, and he had a message that went viral, uh, six minutes of it. It was actually an hour-long message. You would have heard it, most of you would have heard it, called My King. Who's heard this, My King? Uh, about 10 years ago. And, and this is a man who knows Jesus. And he just starts riffing like only an African-American preacher can. You know, he's the sinner's savior. He says lines like this, he's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. That's an amazing line. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. And he goes on and on. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives the sinners. He discharges the debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. And then he's got that great line, do you know him? Do you know him? Well, marking his good listen, his goodness is limitless, his mercy is everlasting, his love never changes, his word is enough, his grace is sufficient, his rope, his reign is righteous, his yoke is easy, and his bird is, is light. And then he says this great line, Oh, I wish I could describe him to you. And I'm like, you're doing pretty good, bro. Like, you're actually doing pretty good. But he's like, he's indescribable. He's irresistible. The heavens can't contain him, let alone a man explain him. That's why the gospel's bigger than you could ever imagine. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. That's marking well. You know, it's just, that's the gospel, friends. It's Jesus. And so, like, what we need in the church again isn't people trying to do some evangelistic technique. We need people so in love with Jesus they can't help but share about how good He is, how amazing, and what He's done in your life. That's the good, the good news of the gospel is always better than you've just realized. Hallelujah. You want the gospel in one way? Here's the gospel in three words. We're going to go deeper. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Listen, uh, again, this is from uh, the book, uh, his uh, uh, reunion, Bruxy's book. The earliest Christ followers clearly knew the power packed into this simple statement. The Apostle Paul wrote, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10, 9 and also 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5. When we say Jesus is Lord... Because we mean it and trust the Jesus story in our hearts, our faith and our speech come together to ignite our spiritual lives. That is salvation. Notice that Paul doesn't call us to embrace the reality that Jesus is Savior. He tells us that when we embrace Jesus as Lord, we get Him as Savior as part of that package. Jesus is not just a means to an end, a ticket to get into heaven, or a way to get saved. 
Rather, Jesus is our leader, our lover, our Lord here and now. And that is life-changing while we live, not just life-prolonging when we die. That's so good. And this is what I absolutely love about what's happening in our church and what's been happening over the last three years. As I have been watching people move from Jesus as Savior to Jesus as Lord. From, I follow Jesus and go to church occasionally uh, because I want to go to heaven when I die to Jesus as Lord. And my lifestyle is increasingly orientated around being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. I've talked about that so much. And this is, uh, and, and like I talk to pastors every week. I would have talked to five or six pastors this week on the phone. I'm on the phone all the time to encourage other pastors and how you, and it's like, and we're dealing, all the or pastors are dealing all around the Western world with a, a lack of discipleship culture in churches because I've had people, they've got churches filled with people that have had a savior, not a Lord. And so when it's a Lord, it's like, everything's yours, Lord. Like I'm just saying, reverence, like my sexuality is yours, my finances are yours, my, my job's yours, my friendships are yours, like my, my, my daily schedule's yours. I wanna learn to have devotional rhythms. I wanna learn to have Sabbath rest. Like when the Bible talks about Jesus saying, come and take my yoke upon you, it's like, take my set of expectations upon you and I will give you rest. And here's the reality. Everyone's wearing a yoke. Is it the secular society's yoke or is it Jesus? yoke. And if a secular society's yoke, then you're going to be working hard and your relationships are going to suffer and it's all about money and it's all about security and it's all about becoming somebody in, your, in whatever world you're part of, whatever. But when Jesus, when you're yoked to Jesus, your soul finds rest. Your soul finds rest as you start to live the Jesus way more and more. So Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And what, you know, Jesus is really annoying, actually, if I'm super honest about the whole thing, because it's like he keeps asking me to give my life to him. Like he, I thought maybe at that camp when I finally, well, I, went, I responded to about 300 altar calls throughout my teenage years, but I'm sure one of them was the one that counted or whatever, but it's like, but he keeps, but it's actually the reality, he keeps calling me back to that place of surrender where it's like, no, you're Lord, you're Lord. He keeps calling me to a new conversion. And Ronald Rollhauser in his outstanding book, Sacred Fire, unpacks it like this. He says, the invitations that come to us from Scripture, particularly from Jesus, meet us in very different ways at different times in our lives. We hear them in one way when we are young, in another in midlife, and in still quite a different way when we are old and facing death. Moreover, not all of Jesus' invitations ask for the same level of response at a given time in our lives. Some of his challenges are meant to bring, help bring us to a basic conversion. Some are meant to deepen that conversion, and still others are meant to take that conversion to its full term and make us full saints. At one stage of our lives, Jesus calls us to give up something for God. At another stage, he calls us to give up everything. Sometimes Jesus invites us to small conversions, and sometimes he invites us to martyrdom. <laughs> and... Uh, Again, one of the things that God is doing in our midst, which thrills me, it's so exciting, and we were praying into this last Sunday at our prayer meeting, is that a number of our veterans, and what I mean by veterans are people that have followed Jesus for more than 10 or 20 years. Some of our veterans just super, like just sovereignly are just like, I'm going all in again. I'm, I'm, it's time to go again. I'm just fully giving myself in a, in a new way. I'm all in again. After disappointments and I'm going around the mountain a few times, I'm, I'm going in again. 
And, and I just want to speak that over you. Some of you guys know who, who I'm talking, and I'm talking to you, and it's like, the, I'm not, the Lord's talking to you. And I just want to say, go again. <laughs> like, go all in again. Go in loving the church. Go in with your finances. Go in with your time. I don't know what it looks like. He does, and he keeps calling us to surrender. And underneath that is really the question, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Will you trust me with this part of your life that you've been trying to hold on to with control? And it's the most beautiful feeling in the world. Yes, Lord, I yield to you afresh. And that's what he's doing. All right, let's get into the gospel in 30 words. And this is brilliant. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love. Save us from sin. Set up God's kingdom and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. That's, that's Bruxy's wider definition of what the gospel is in 30 words. And I've actually, like a good pastor who's unorganized, so I couldn't give it to a, a June or someone else. Last night, I printed 20 copies and stapled them by hand for 20 people that want to take this home. And here's, and again, I love what Bruxy says, Bruxy says not to memorize this in terms of like, I'm gonna just spout this out, but to, but to memorize it so it's in my bones, so as the Spirit leads, I can draw on different things. Can I talk about this in a second? When it comes to sharing the gospel, we're led by the Spirit, not by some little formula. We're led by the Spirit. So I'm gonna leave these up here, and, and it's got this in greater depth. If you don't wanna read uh, the reunion book, that'll get you on the way. And, and this, in fact, keep that up. Uh, don't jump to the next slide, Ian, because I'm gonna talk through the, uh, what he, why he does this. Uh, so we'll keep this on the screen. Braxy says this. First, what we see here is the ground of the gospel. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Everything that flows, that follows, is rooted in this world-changing fact. How cool is that? That's why we, as a church, practice the church calendar. That's why we do Advent every year. We, we get our little minds blowing every year that God came in the flesh in Jesus. That's the, that's the ground of the gospel. The second are the gifts of the gospel. These are the four things that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf for our good and God's glory. Showing us God's love, saving us from sin, setting up his kingdom, and shutting down religion. The Apostle John summarizes these four qualities of the gospel message in a prayer of worship when he says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Third is the goal of the gospel. God's goal is to share his life with us. God draws us into his very own love life now and forever. The good news of the gospel is always better than you've just realized. It's bigger and more beautiful. And so often we're focused on the sin thing, and absolutely we should, but it's more than that. It's the establishment of God's kingdom, his rule and reign. Like we gather as a community because we are a countercultural group of people who first and foremost, Almost pledge allegiance to Jesus and to his kingdom. And this kingdom has a culture and a values and a whole vibe to it that's different to the culture in which we swim. And this is called to be a prophetic community to the rest of the world about what it looks like to live in harmony with God and harmony with others, love for God and love for others, not because of how great we are, but because of how great he is. He empowers us by his spirit to live that sort of, of, of life. That is why we gather as a tribe every Sunday. 
the countercultural community of God gathers for another tribal gathering to worship the King. In the course this week, you would have um, uh, heard about the, the framework of the gospel. And again, by the gospel, we mean this whole book, baby, the gospel. That it begins, the next slide, uh, in with creation, uh, a fall, redemption, restoration. And I love this because he reminded us that the story doesn't begin with sin and brokenness. It begins with a good God creating a world. It's his goodness. And then there's the rebellion. But then it's like the embrace, the pursuit of God, and then the healing, which is both now and forever. Uh, hallelujah. And, uh, and I want to say, you know, uh, I think um, it's bizarre in the church we get so hung up on wanting to sort everyone else's sin out. Have you noticed that? It's like, and then like, and like most of the models I've seen when it comes to sharing the gospel want to make sure people know they're dirty, rotten, stinking sinners. Like the story doesn't begin there. It starts with a good God who loves and made us in love and made us for a purpose. That's where it begins. And you know what? I suspect most of us, our sin hasn't been challenged because of some presentation. It's been challenged because the Holy Spirit has convicted us. I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. You, you start judging me. <laughs> I'm just going to get annoyed at you and sin some more, right? <laughs> In my own heart. Holy Spirit convicts. Whole other vibe, man. Whole other vibe. Man, like I believe in sin, eh? Sin is a corrosive agent that erodes the love bond between relationships and it's a disease that infects relational closeness and, and replaces genuine other-centered love with growing like, like viral or my self-interest coupled with all the creative excuses to justify our apathy towards others. Like I believe in sin, don't, you hear, don't mistake me this morning, but I believe in the God. <laughs> who came and took that upon himself. I believe in the God who's rich in mercy and who just pursued, and by the Spirit of God leads me to places of life. I love what Billy Graham said. He said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job, job to judge, and my job to love. How good's that? I just think, let's, let's hold on to that. You know, if anyone thinks this is weak and namby-pamby, I've got to tell you, I, I, my grandfather on my mother's side, godly man. I've talked to him about it a number of times. He's seriously shaped my life. In terms of the model that he was of sanctification, he was the most fruity guy I've ever seen. In terms of fruit of the Spirit, just phenomenal guy. But he was a holy man because he had spent so much time in the presence of God. Now, he'd gone through hell and back, and he didn't just grow up in a nice Christian home and all the rest of it. But he was a, And I would go hang out with my grandfather, and I would feel convicted of my sin while he talked about how beautiful his garden was. I will just be like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry for thinking that and looking at that and smoking that and doing all that. Oh, Lord. And he, he was just a godly man who carried the presence of God. Light casts out the darkness. Uh, if, you, if we want to be a people, like I want this to be a holy community, but that's his sanctifying work. That's by his spirit. And he's so good in the timing of it. He's such a good father. He does it beautifully. And as we get more holy, that holiness does reflect. You don't even have to try. It just reflects all around you. And people are aware of where they're actually at. Like I, love, I just love Andre's word. That's, I'm going to be thinking about that all week. It's like you stand in the presence of a holy God and receive his love. It doesn't make you want to sin anymore. As the Bible says, Titus, grace teaches us how to live holy lives. What a beautiful invitation. Tim Keller says the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever did hope. 
Hallelujah. That's been my story. As every year goes on, I actually am more aware of my sin. And as every year goes on, I'm more aware that He has loved and accepted me in Jesus. I'm more loved than I ever did hope. I love my friend Cy Rogers used to say, God would far rather have you messy than not have you at all. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the gospel? The good news of of the gospel is always better than you've just realized. I'm going to come into land. Can you just go to the next thing, actually? Uh, what have I got there? I'm going to, I'm going to skim some. Uh, I, real quick. Real quick. Uh, interesting, 1 Corinthians 15 here, though. I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news. So here's the gospel, blah, blah, blah. Verse 3, hand it over to you. Here we go. So here's the gospel for Paul. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures and that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, we, we, we immediately zero in with that He died, He buried, but you're missing in accordance with the Scriptures. So Paul saying, here's the gospel. This is what Jesus did in accordance with this book. This book is the good news. It's the gospel. In fact, next slide. When Jesus started preaching, he's like, here's what the gospel is. The gospel's good news. So if you're like, what the heck do I say when I'm going to Good news is just what you need to be thinking about. What's the good news? The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the beginning of Mark. I'm not going to go through all of these scriptures. There's a whole lot going on here. I'm talking like a race house, because I really want to try to get through. But here's my point. And lucky charm crosses the line first, and we're all going to be everyone's a winner. (laughs) Here we go. We're going to come to land with this. We're going to come to land with this. We can get all stewed up around what the gospel is. Oh, I've got to remember the four spiritual laws. Which one? I can't remember that sort of stuff. And making sure we don't forget about repentance. And it's like. Good news is what we steward. That's it. Don't worry about all this stuff. Though. I've got nothing wrong if people want to memorize something. Fine. But for most of us, we're not sharing jack squat because we're so intimidated about what to share. And here's the thing. Just share some good news about what Jesus has done in your life. That is the gospel. That's the gospel. Be free from all that other stuff that we've kind of been so intimidated about and share with somebody what Jesus has done in your life. That is the good news. That is the good news. Man, I've been so encouraged this week. We had our, our home church, and for once I actually asked their permission if I can share this, and this is the risk of being in our home church. Uh, but I actually asked permission. But I was like, we're just talking about the gospel. And so then people in our crew started sharing about how the gospel had changed their lives. And so Kieran was talking about the way that God pursued him. Real long story, which I can't go into. But there's this point where Kieran, after God had been pursuing him for a number of years, walks outside of the hospital after dealing with a whole lot of brokenness on his family, lights up a cigarette, and the Holy Spirit fills him. And I'm like, that is cool. <laughs> Holy Spirit just fills them from head to toe. That's the good. Why are we sanitizing the gospel all the time? I love there's a Siggy involved. That's brilliant. And the gospel breaks into his life. Ross is sharing about the fact that his like parents were very nominal on the whole Christian thing, actually, the whole thing. But it's like, oh, there's a, they're running this holiday program, so they drop their kids off down to the holiday program. Him and his brother come to faith, and through the faith that the kids had, their parents come to faith and are now faithfully following Jesus. That's good news. Unbelievable. Michael, who's new into our church, he was talking about the fact that he was smoking so many drugs as a teenager. And again, his parents were like, Sheesh, bro, well, you know, you're cooking your noodle here, bro. We've got to sort this out. Uh, and so they're like, they just drop him off at a church because there's some back of their mind. They're like, man, well, I think you probably need to go here. Comes into the church. Uh, and that Sunday, uh, here's the gospel, responds, gets prayed for, prays a prayer, and doesn't smoke a drug from that day onwards. It's like, that's good news. 
And it just keeps on going. Matt Tan, who's on staff with us and posted this on Instagram stories, so it is public, they didn't ask you permission, was just talking on Insta, doing this whole thing about how God is setting him free right now and all sorts of stuff of comparison and excellence. And it's just like this freedom is entering into his life. I'm like, that's good news. It's what the gospel's doing. It hasn't just done in that moment where you crossed a line, but this ongoing work of the gospel leading us into the richest, most beautiful life you could ever imagine that this world's desperate for. I mean, I can share story after story in my own life. I grew up, you know, when you become a Christian, uh, if it goes well, generationally, that's got a big impact, which is annoying for the rest of the generations because our testimonies are rubbish. Like, you know, it's like my grandfather got saved in World War II on the olive fields of flipping uh, of wherever it was, Greece somewhere. And he was on his, you know, in his in like hardcore conversion moment. And then he just prayed every single person into the kingdom. And now I'm like third generation Christian and I grew up in the church and that's my testimony. Boring. Right? But here's the good news of the gospel is that I can tell story after story about the good news of the gospel in terms of how it keeps on setting me free, about how love, joy, and peace in those first three fruit of the Spirit, first three fruit of the Spirit, aren't theory for me anymore. They're an experienced reality day by day because I'm walking with Jesus. Like I'm fired up more than ever about how good Jesus is. And I want to share that with anyone. And I'm the world's worth evangelist. Ask my wife. I just, I'm a teacher, I'm a leader, whatever. I'm not a great evangelist. And it's, <laughs> and like, uh, I was out surfing on Friday and it's like, um, and I've decided I'm just going to be more friendly in general because I'm just quite enjoying my life. So I thought, <laughs> so I like, <laughs> So instead of paddling out there and being a bit grumpy, I paddle out there like, and just, you know, because everyone actually likes friendly people, it turns out, you know, and so like, so that one's for free. So I've just been paddling up to guys and be like, hey, bro, how you doing? You know, I've been that guy. And I'm like, and then the thing I'm asking, I'm like, what do you do for a job? Because for years I've been ashamed about the fact I've been a pastor because of what a dumb reputation we have and the church has because of how stupid most of the pastors and other uh, churches are, right? And so it's like... So I've been like, oh no. So I'm like, what do you do, pastor? Sorry, bro. Like, you know, and it just goes quiet. But now I'm fired up because I'm like, no, this is an opening, right? So I'm like, I'm paddling up to all the boys. So what do you do? Then I'm like, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me. <laughs> and then like, like oh, pastor, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm a pastor. And I'm like, bro, I love it, man. We got the best crew. Like, you wouldn't believe it. And I'm like, bro, this is just on Friday. I'm like, mate, honestly, bro, like, I'm the first to critique the church, man. Like, far, man, honestly. But I tell you what, I'm like, I said this, the church at its best, mate. Oh, unreal, mate. It's unreal. And like this guy's, you know, I'm like, now that's not, is that the gospel in its fullness? No. Is that Jesus died for your sins and that if you make him Lord and Savior, is that the gospel in its fullness? It's getting closer, but it's not the fullness. The fullness is so much bigger than you could ever realize. Why we keep reducing it to something? It's bigger and more beautiful. So I'm just sowing seeds of the gospel. And it's like, I don't know what that looks like for you, but this is what the Lord wants to do through us. And this is next slide. Oh, sorry, Charlotte. Sorry, Charlotte, where's the video camera? Next slide, next slide, next slide, next slide. We're going to move Ian, bro. We'll go. So, so for example, here's like, and I'm not going to dive into this, but here's all the different ways that the gospel gets shared by Peter and by Paul on two different occasions, the different things they use, the different reasons it gets brought up. They use the Old Testament, creation, everyday culture, to end sometimes of Jesus' resurrection or God as the cosmos. Listen, we're led by the Spirit. We don't have to try and work out the formula. It's just available people led by the Spirit seeing the opening and going, wonder what I should share here about the good news of what Jesus has done and is doing in our lives. I finish, I land land with this. Man, we're on the run, my friends. Two, 
Man, that terminal's ages away, though, eh? All right. Um, two Tim- I finished with this. 2 Timothy ch- chapter 1. I love this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Oh man, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm just like, I've been very ashamed. Sorry, Lord, but help me not to be so ashamed out. And certainly because your church sometimes looks really stupid, but whatever. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This, there's so much going on here that's stunning, but here's what I feel for us as a church as we land this morning. As I want to pray for, for those of you that are up for this, that we would fan into flame the gift of God. Now, I'm aware that there are people in the room today who have been very wounded in churches and who are sussing us out and who do not want to be pushed hard. And so ignore me. It's fine. You are welcome to sit and you're welcome to heal. But but there's a whole chunk of us, the vast majority, where it's like, let's fan it into flame again, friends. Let's fan it into flame again. It's the gift of God. And I want to lay hands on people this morning and say, just Lord, breathe on this, on the embers and make it a flame again. And, and I like this. And join with me. And I say that as a pastor. Join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now, I don't suffer like Paul had to suffer in a jail, but I tell you what, when we can't even turn up to church because it's nice weather, we've got something wrong. When we can't go to home church because we've got, you know, of the, you know, I like the reverent stuff that Andre was saying. It's like we've got to step up and say, there's a holy God saying, follow me, and we've got to start paying some, sac- saying some price here for walking into that resurrection life he longs for us to bring. Like, getting critical about the fact you may not like the speaker on the home church, whatever it may be, I'm like, that's not the heart that we're here to carry. The heart we're here to carry is one of great humility, great teachability, and great openness to the Spirit of God, filling us with fire again and giving us a mission that we give our lives to so that when we get to the end of our lives, we're very happy with how we suffered for the gospel. Now, I'm not talking about now, I'm all about Sabbath rest, and I'm all about all of that stuff. But guys, this is, the, this is the series and the season in our church. We're calling us to step up. We're going to pray on Sunday nights, and we've been doing that for years. And even if it still stays six or seven of us, I'm there tonight praying for this, for God to pour out His Spirit on this church and this region. And I'm inviting you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit so that it sets you on fire so that you burn with the passion for the gospel again, Right? And honestly, as I've been preparing this, I have, I've been weeping in the cafe as I've been thinking about the gospel. I had to get out of bed at 11 o'clock the other night, you know, because I was just, I, I was like, you know, I've got to write some more notes. I'm like just so burning with the message that we carry. And I pray that that would be your story. We don't need more people with techniques. We need more people whose hearts burn.